This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like glass, like grass, And all glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Stir our hearts this morning, God, and will speak to us, each one, that your Holy Spirit will illuminate the scripture, this word, this story, to us, God, that you'll speak directly to our hearts, that you'll speak to our unbelief, and that you will encourage our belief, and God, may we, may we be the people that you have called us to be, through your word, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're... Um, we're working through First Peter, right? And um, and so before we before we dig into this passage and unpack it, I want us to do a little review. So let's do some review. Um, what have we been talking about? What what has Peter been trying to communicate to to us through this letter that he sent to um, the the believers? Um, in Asia Minor, who he was writing to. What has he been communicating? What are some of the things that we've been talking about these past couple of weeks? It's okay to cheat and look at the <laughs> and look at your Bibles too. Who did? How did he address his people? And he was talking. How did he address his readers? His elect. His elect. Yes. What does that mean? Chosen people. Chosen people. Right? He chose people. He made them he made them his people. He said, Okay, you are my people. In fact, not just people, not just okay, you're a na- you're my nation. You're my family. You're my community. He said, You're my community, you're my family, you're my people. I have chosen you. Right? And what was the other part of what was the the modifier of the elect? Remember that? How did he talk about them? They're elect in what way? Exiles. They're exiles. They're foreigners. They're strangers. 
Okay, they're living in the land. They, they're, they're getting this letter and they're going, um, wait a minute, I thought I was, uh, I thought I was a particular nationality. I thought I was a particular, I thought I belonged to this particular country or I was a citizen of this particular city. And he's saying, no, you are, you are exiles where you're living. You don't really belong there. You're, you belong to another kingdom. And so they're, they're, their minds are stirred up with these thoughts of, God had a chosen people, Israel. God had a chosen people, Israel. And they were exiles in Egypt. They were exiles in Babylon and, and Assyria. They have this story that all of a sudden, believers in Christ have a connection to the story that is not just a list of the law, it's a story of God's people. It's a, and it's a story that all believers are connected to, right? What else did, what else did Peter communicate to his readers in this, past, in this last section? What are some other things? Just throw them out there, call them out. What do you get? What? How about you kids who've been taking notes in your bulletins the last couple of weeks? <laughs> Maddie's like, no, 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 don't call on me. <laughs> what? What was the reason that he started out the, the main part of his letter by saying, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ"? What was the reason for that blessing on God? Why are? Why do we bless God? Why do we worship Him and glorify Him? What was the main reason? Yes, he did. And by doing that, he did... And what, did that, what happened to us after he did that? I mean, what do we get because he sent his son to die for us? Eternal life. Eternal life. That's right. We get, we get to be born again, right? That's right. He said we are born again into a living hope. He said into an inheritance and a salvation that's ready for us, waiting for us. Isn't that amazing? He, he made us, He caused us to be born again. Don't forget these things. This is really important. Okay? So as we're going through this letter, never forget where, where Peter started. Never forget where we came from. Don't forget the story that we're part of. Because every chapter, every scene of the story builds on the previous one. Um, and it's a, it's a really big deal because um, in our passage... What's the word, well, you saw it in the English Standard Version, and Bill read that. What's the word that starts off this, this pa passage this morning? Therefore. therefore. What does that mean? It What's means it based... there for? <laughs> what is it there for? That's right. Ask what it's there for. What does it mean? It means because of what I've just been telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something new. I'm going to give you a way to live your life and a way to think and a way to focus based on what I've just been telling you. So based on God's calling of us, based on His making us His people and bringing us into His family, because He made us born again, now I'm going to tell you what that means for you and your life. And Peter is going to tell us right away that um, he's going to tell us, and, and this is the way he does it. He says, Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. So what does that mean? Preparing your minds for action. The, the literal word, if, and if you have an ESV and some of your other ones too, maybe the NIV, some of, some, of the, some of the texts have a little note in the bottom. 
in, in the bottom of the page, and it says literally, girding up the loins of your mind. And it's probably good that they didn't put that in there. <laughs> We're like, what is that all about? Girding up the loins of your mind. Well, okay, so explanation. It's like, um, I'm going to tuck my, you know, I'm going to tuck my shirt into my, into my belt. I'm going to pull up my robes, and I'm going to gird them around my belt, because I'm about to do something that's going to probably stress me out a little bit. Okay, I'm, I'm about to go run a, a race, or I'm about to go do some work in the field. I need to get myself ready. I need to get myself ready. I don't want to be tripping on my robes and my whatever that I wear, okay? So I'm going to gird up my loins. I'm going to tuck, you know, my shirt into my belt. I'm going to get myself ready in my mind. And he's saying, listen up. Kind of like what, what God said to Job. Do you remember reading Job? And he says this. He says, Job, gird up your loins because I'm going to talk to you. Put on your big boy pants because we're going to have a little conversation. And Peter's telling his, his brothers and sisters that he's talking to, get ready, get ready for this. I'm going to tell you, this is what it means. Are you ready for it? Are you sober-minded? Not, not are you not inebriated, but is your mind right? Okay? Are you thinking clearly about this? And what does he tell them to do? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Immediately, our minds are thinking of, we have a living hope. We should be thinking of that. We have a living hope. We have a salvation that's ready to be revealed. We have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. That's what we should be thinking of. That's the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we sing, God is here, and we sing, Jesus be revealed. God is here, Emmanuel. God is with us. He is here with us in everything. But we are, are calling and we're saying, Come, Lord Jesus. We're saying, Maranatha. We're saying, Jesus be revealed. We cannot wait to be with our Lord. Right? And that's, he's saying, set your hope on this. Set your hope fully on this. Perfectly, in other words. That's, kind of, that's the word there. Have a perfect way of thinking about this. Fully hope on it. Completely hope on the grace. And I wanted to point out a couple things. You see on the, on the, uh, on the left side of the screen there, um, hope in God is the foundation for our holiness. Let's see how that, that gets fleshed out. Um, he wants us to hope in God. And what he's getting to here, um, he says, um, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's saying, the way you used to live, that was your old family. That was your old identity. That was, the, that was your past. Okay, well, How you used to live. How many of you came to Christ as an adult? As an adult. Okay? Do you re and you remember the way you thought and the way you lived prior to that. Some, like myself, I, I was saved at a really young age. I heard the good news when I was a child. I heard it, and I received it, and I loved it. And I began to love Jesus as a child. And then I continued to grow in that. And I look back before I was saved, and I think, well, I wasn't a drug user. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't stuck in some... It, whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't have a past where I think about that. 
But what I, what I have here is a command by Peter saying, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's saying that now. He's saying that as believers now don't keep, be conformed. <clears throat> Paul said, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's talking to believers. He's saying the world is telling you a way to live, a way to think, and they're saying, come back to our family. Come back to our community. Think like us. Be like us. And, and Peter here, and Paul as well said in Romans, don't do it. Don't go back there. Don't think that way. Why? Because, what, what does he say? But, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay, that's kind of, I, I think that's kind of a big deal. Be holy, because I am holy. God said to his people, be holy, I am holy. Why did he say that? Seriously, why? Why did God, why did God say, be holy, because I am holy? Any thoughts, Isabella? <laughs> well, if you're going to be an example of Christ, okay. um, and he's in your heart, then your example better reflect God. That is okay, absolutely. Okay. okay, there you go. Yeah. We reflect God. And God said, hey, you're my people. You should reflect my holiness. I'm a holy God. You should be holy too, right? This is really cool. Because it says... He says, he quotes the scripture, I am holy, for I am holy. The reason you should be holy is because I am holy. And, and in verse 15, he said it the other way around. He said, just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all your conduct. And everything that you do. Okay, we could unpack that for a while, right? So just get your journal out and just start listening. Let me see, what are the things that I do? Everything. All your conduct. And go, okay, is that holy conduct? Hmm. So, let's, let's look at this, uh, the, uh, this other side of God being holy. I think really, this is really, this is really kind of, um, I've struggled with this for many years. What does it mean to be holy because God is holy? And what does it mean when Jesus says, Jesus says, be perfect... Because your heavenly Father is perfect. He said that in the Sermon on the Mount. And we think, oh well, you know, perfect is really more like, the literal is more like, be complete, right? And we say, okay, so that, that kind of gets us off the hook, right? Because no, none of us are perfect. We know that. So we think, oh, we're just going to soften that a little bit. But what does he really mean? And I think he means, as obedient children. We kind of skipped over that phrase, didn't I? As obedient children, that means we have a father who we get our identity from. So I'm a, I'm a Johnson, okay? And for those of you, especially my, my dear friends who have known me for quite some time and you know my father, you probably go, oh yeah, 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 he's, he's Frank's son, all right. <laughs> because a lot of my mannerisms and a lot of my turns of phrase and also my distorted sense of humor comes from my father okay i reflect my father for good or for bad um my girls it's the same way 
mean, they don't look like me. I mean, they may have some features that are similar to mine. Um, but thank goodness they're beautiful. Um, and not like me. But they, they reflect me. They, they have some of the same... They have some of the same thoughts and some of the same patterns and some of the same habits. And, and some of them are like, oh, gee, I wish, I wish my daughter didn't have that habit of mine. I wish she didn't do that. And that's, she gets it, honestly, you know. But, but they reflect me, right? Well, we have a heavenly father. And he said, you're my children. I've made you born again so that you can take my identity and, and that'll be your identity. And then, and then we're like, well, God, what does that mean? You're holy. You're, you're all of these things. What does that mean? Show us what that means. And he says, okay, here you go. I'll come down to earth, and I'll show you exactly what I want you to look like and what I want you to be. And it's Jesus, right? And Jesus is it. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So we're wondering, well, what does it look like? What does God look like? What does it mean for me to be a child of God? Well, look at the Son. Look at Jesus, right? Jesus is the obedient child. He is the one that is showing us what it means to be holy. Um, well, oh, this is, this is great. Jesus cared about our holiness. Did you know that? I got a, I got a flip to it. Um, and I, just, I just heard this. The other day, this verse, the other, just, I think, yesterday. Um, no, it was this morning. <laughs> it was this morning. I, John 17. John 17. Jesus cared about our holiness. Did you know that? And he told us how he, and he kind of gave us a way in which we were holy. Because I don't want us to, I, I think a lot of times we think, okay, so holiness. That means what? Maybe I should, we should live more like in a monastery. Maybe we should just kind of, means, we, we talk about, well, holy means set apart, right? It means set apart, so like, okay, so we should be set apart from the world, we shouldn't do what the world does, um, we need to have um, Christian schools, and Christian banks, and Christian uh, coffee houses, and Christian sports leagues, and Christian music, oh, jeez, Christian music, and we... <laughs> And so we have all of these, right? We, and, and then we think, well, that's what it means, right? Right? Set apart, sanctified, holy. We're holy people, so we should be separate from everyone else. And maybe, you know, maybe Peter's readers were thinking that too. Well, we're, we're exiled elects. So we're, not, we're, we're not citizens of this. Oh, okay, so I don't, I don't live by those rules. I live completely differently. Okay, yes. And, and then we're not part of the world. We have our own thing. Don't hear me saying that Christian schools are wrong or homeschooling is wrong or, you know, not at all. And I'm not saying any of that or, or sports leagues or anything, okay? I'm not, don't, don't hear me say that. But, but hear me, hear Jesus. Hear Jesus, okay? Let's do that. Let's hear Jesus. John 17, John 17, verses 15 to 19. I'm going to read this whole thing and I'm not going to preach a different sermon, because I, I feel like I could right now, but I'll just say a couple of words on it to illustrate what Peter is saying. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, 
Jesus is praying to God, the Father, right now, and he's praying for his disciples. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, right? Okay? He's not saying, oh, we need to get them out of the world. We need to get them into their own little things. We need to get them uh, into whatever. They're in the world. Just keep them from the evil one, God. Father, keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. We're not made of the world. Now we're born again. We're in a new family. So we don't, we're, we don't have the stuff of the world anymore. That's not our nature. We are His children. Just as I am not of the world. Whew. Big. Then what does He say? Sanctify them. Sanctify. Make holy. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. How does He want us to be holy? This is what you can respond to. The truth. By the truth. By the word, right? Absolutely. He wants us to be holy and sanctified by the word of God. By his word. By the truth. That's how he wants us to be holy. So when, don't, don't settle for setting yourself apart from relationships with the world. And, and think, I'm holy. Because if you're not in the Word, if you're not sanctified by God's Word, you're not living a holy life. God spoke to the people, and He spoke audibly to the people, and they feared, they, they went, Oh my goodness, don't speak to us again. We don't want to hear God's Word. It's too scary, it's too powerful. There's too many implications for our lives if we listen to God's Word. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, Jesus says. Jesus prays. Just as God, you sent me into the world to be on mission, I'm sending my disciples into the world on mission. And they're equipped with the word, they're sanctified by the word, so that they can fulfill the mission that I have for them, that God, you have for them. That you had for me. And then he says, for, the, for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. He repeats the same thing again. That's what holiness means. As obedient children, you belong to Jesus, you're part of His family, you have His identity, He's a holy God, so we should live holy lives, because that's who we are. Why in the world would we live in such a way as to say, say to the rest of the world, I don't really belong to Jesus. I don't really belong to God. I'm going to live the way I want to live, and I'm going to pay lip service to Jesus and, and prove by my actions that I don't really belong to Him. I belong to myself, or I belong to something else that's much worse. And that's kind of what, we, what happens when we just go along being conformed to the, the patterns of the world. And we are not sanctified in the truth of His Word. We have not engaged God's story in such a way as it, it affects us, or maybe infects us. And He's not done. Because He says, if you call on Him as Father, He re-emphasizes our family. We're in a family. If you call on Him as Father who judges impartially, conduct yourself with fear. I thought about that too. And I think maybe the secret is the fear that the Israelites felt at Mount Sinai when they heard the voice of God and they went, that is awesome. 
I am amazed because I've heard God's word and I've heard him speak to me and I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at what he has done. It is awesome. And you know what's awesome is what he says next. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways that you inherited. You were ransomed. God paid a price and it was his son. He loved us that much that he died for us. He ransomed us. Not with gold, not with this things that are perishable, but with the precious blood of Christ. That lamb without blemish or spot. We think about the, the Passover lamb. We think about the atoning sacrifice. The entire system that Jesus, Jesus fulfilled in his death. The perfect sacrifice. His perfect sinless life. That he lived righteously before God. Because there's no way that we could have done it. He said, don't worry about it. I lived it for you. You're jacked up. Every single one of you. Me. We are jacked up people. There's no way we could ever measure up. No way. And Jesus did it for us. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Jesus, or God, proves to us that he loves us because he sent Jesus to die for us. He raised him from the dead to say, I've got power. I've got power that will equip your life. I've got power that will change everything. I proved it. Jesus rose from the dead. I raised him from the dead. And I gave him glory. The same glory that I'm going to give to every one of my children. I'm going to give that glory to you. Right? That's what he said. That's what he said yet last week when we read that. That it will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise and glory and honor that we will receive because we're in Christ. Awesome. Awesome. Let's go to the next section because he's not done. He's still going. I mean, it's still... It's still rolling along. Don't let your paragraph divisions freak you out because he's still he's on a roll here. Peter's just writing and he's talking about the hope that we have and how we should live holy lives because we're part of his family. We have a new identity. And then he says, You having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, this is the next command, this is the next imperative that he gives us. Love one another earnestly. Why should we love one another? Because we are hoping we have hope in God. <coughs> hope in God is our foundation for love for one another. Why wouldn't we love each other? We're family. That's what God has made us. <coughs> He's made us family. When my girls are fighting amongst each other, what is going on here? <coughs> your sisters, your family, right? That's not how family acts. 
We all know that. I mean, but we all come from dysfunctional families, even mine. You know? What, right? We know that, and what does that tell us? We go, okay, so we're, our families are kind of jacked up, and, you know, we come from broken homes, and, and some, we have a lot of brokenness ourselves, and we go, where, where does this come from? This is not, I don't, that's not the kind of family I want. You're right, none of us want that family. Sin screwed the whole deal up, the whole thing. God's perfect creation, when he said, I created man, and he said, I, everything that I've created now is very good. And what happens next? You know, the next scene, it's all like, uh, shoot, might as well just start over. That's, and God does a few generations later. I'm just going to start over. Everyone's so messed up. I'm just going to choose Noah, and then I'm going to talk to him, and I'm going to make a covenant with him, and we'll try again. And then what happens? Screws up again. Noah screws up. It's all screwed up. It's all messed up. We, we have a history. The history of humanity is one dysfunctional family. And Jesus, and God says, I brought Jesus into this world to live and die and be rose and to rise again to, to rebuild a family, to redeem a family, to restore you to the kind of family that you should be. One that is pure and one that loves each other earnestly. What's that going to mean? What's that going to mean for you all? To love one another. To love the people in this room. To love every other believer that you know. What does it mean? What's it going to mean? What's it going to take for us to do just this? Because he says in, in verse 23, Since you have been born again, God has made us born again. And why does he keep coming back to that? Not because he's like, remember you're saved. Remember you're saved. Remember you're a Christian. My parents used to tell me when I, when I left the house, and when I was a teenager. So Micah, listen to this one. So when you're a teenager, and, uh, and you finally get your driver's license, and you're leaving the house, right? And... And this is what my parents told me. Remember who you belong to. And they didn't say, remember that you're a Johnson. Doggone it. So you just... No. They meant, remember you belong to Jesus. That's what salvation is. That's what eternal life is. Right now, right here, you belong to Jesus. He has caused us to be born again means that we're in His family. He keeps going back to the born again thing. It means we have a Father. God the Father caused us to be born again. He begat us, to use the old King James Version. He begat us. He made us whole. He made us new through being born again. So if we are born again, that means we should love each other. Because He made Isabella born again. And I should love Isabella. Not just as a daughter, but as a sister in Christ. And he made David born again. So it means I should love David, not just as, you know, I, I better not mess with him, you know, because he might roll me up, but because, because he's my brother. I love David because he's my brother. So now he's, in our, he's coming to our midst, and he's, and he's coming to our family. We should love David. And Randy, Randy, he's my brother. I should love Randy. He's coming to our midst, and he's coming to our family. So I should love Randy, and he should love me. Because we're family, we're brothers. That's what it means. 
That's what he's talking about. Since you have been born again means now you've got siblings. Okay? You've got brothers and sisters in Christ. And you need to love them. And you need to be reconciled to them. And you need to be at peace with them. And you need to care for them. And have compassion on them. You need to serve them. You need to give to them and bless them. You need to be generous to them. We're family now. That's what it's all about. That's what salvation is. He says that it's not with perishable seed. He loves this. Perishable and imperishable. He says it over and over and over again. It's not with something that was perishable. It's something that is eternal and everlasting. It is the Word of God. Right? <laughs> it is the Word of God. It is through the Word of God that you have been born again. Because everything else fades. The grass is going to fade. My grass is already fading. Um, my trees are going to grow. I hope eventually they'll probably die. You know, hopefully not, not sooner. Um, hopefully that'll be later. Everything's going to go, okay? Everything is going to go. But God's Word is eternal. God's Word is the good news of Jesus. That's what he says in verse 25. And that's why I, 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 I was pausing, and so Beverly and Bill are like, hey, one more line, one more line. Because... That's it right there. This word is the good news that was preached to you. What we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is just the good news. I told, I told my friends last night, I said, you know, you want to come tomorrow to church because I'm going uh, to preach about Jesus. He said, Tim said, oh, I think I've heard that message before. I said, yeah, probably. That's Peter can't get over this. Think about Peter and his story. Just for a moment. He spent three years with this man. He, he loved him. He, he got, Jesus loved him. And he saw what he did. And he heard what he said. And then Jesus dies. And he's devastated. And he raises from the dead. And he's like, this is amazing. What is going on here? This changes everything. He, gets, he is confronted by the good news. And it really is good for Peter. Because it means that as much of a schmuck as Peter was, I shouldn't say that, but if you're Jewish or Yiddish, I apologize. But if you're that kind of a person, like Peter was, being restored in relationship to, to Jesus was good news. That was a big deal. And he had something to share, and he shared it. We are, as the title of this whole series is called, We Are a Church, which means that we're a community on mission. In a world that is sometimes hostile, right? Okay. We're going to get to that. You're going to get into that a little bit more too. But we are a community on mission. We are a family who have a who has a purpose. That maybe I should have titled it that. A family with a purpose. I have a purpose, right? Okay, it's a big deal, and we have this good news to share. That's, folks. That's that's what it, that's what it all kind of comes how it all kind of comes together. We have, we have uh, hope as a foundation for holiness. We have hope as a foundation for our love for each other. Right? And it's only by the good news 
that we can share that. It is not meant for this house. It is meant for our entire lives. That's why he said, be holy in all your conduct, in every area of your life. So as we're closing here, we're going to pray in a second and we're going to sing together. This is what I want to challenge you guys with. What do you need? Where do you need Jesus to make your life more holy? What is in your life that needs to be sanctified by God's Word? What is in your life that you may be, whether you're struggling with something, or whether you're just dealing with a, a, a sin? I mean, that's the, we're all dealing with some sin. So God should be revealing to us constantly. We should be coming to His Word, and He should be speaking to us and saying, what about this sin? I hope we haven't ignored the Holy Spirit so often that we now we don't hear Him speak anymore about the sin that's in our lives. But if there's something in your life where He's saying, deal with this. You need to encounter my word. You need to encounter the good news. And then ha- that needs to affect you. And that needs to transform you to make you holy. To make you sanctified by the truth. By God's word. Or maybe... Um, maybe you need to reflect on that second part. You know, we have we hope in God, and that's our foundation for love. Maybe you need to love people. Maybe there's some specific relationships in your life that you need to address. And you need to say, I've got to deal with love, in love, in this relationship. This is God's word. This is God's message to us this morning. He wants us not to hear it and say that was great and and Michael kind of got fired up or jacked up or whatever, but but that we come here and we encounter God's word and then we do not go without allowing God's word to transform us, to do that sanctifying work, to make us holy, to make us loving. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just strum on my guitar for a few minutes and I'm going to give you all a chance to pray and to seek the Lord and um, and then we'll sing a little bit together and uh, and I want you guys to just respond however you feel led you know we don't have a we don't have an aisle for you to walk down you can pray right where you're at or maybe you need to go into the front room with a with a spouse or with another friend and say man this is, our, this is what I'm burdened with. You know, we are family. We're brothers and sisters. So we go to our brother or sisters. We go to our sister. And we pray together. And we work these things out. Say, I don't know what it is. Speak a word to, into my life. Help me, to, help me to, to respond in the way I know I need to respond. So that's what I want to ask you guys to do today.